Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we wanted to continue our discussion on how to read and study the Bible for all it's worth, uh, how to read and study the scriptures for all it's worth. And uh, as we continue uh, the final uh, episode of this series, uh, you can always uh, listen to the previous ones just to catch up. But uh, for your consideration, I wanted to make sure that um, we go over some of the key tenets of what we've been talking about. And for our scripture, uh, there's numerous, but for our primary scripture, I wanted to just recite 2 Timothy 2.15, where Paul uh, tells Timothy to do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Uh, That's the NIV version. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. So uh, this text is prescriptive, meaning it's not just for Timothy. Uh, it, It is binding upon all Christians to prepare themselves where they're handling God's truth accurately, correctly. And we all that have been called by Jesus, that have been saved and redeemed by his precious blood, we have this obligation to prepare ourselves, to read the Bible, to study the Bible, to uh, have the Bible ingrained in our soul, using that metaphorically. So we have to do our best to present ourselves as, uh, uh, to God, right? It's an offering. Your whole body, your mind, it's an offering to God. And God wants to use us as vessels, number one, to help us in the sanctification process that we may become more like his son, and then secondly, as a witness, as a light, um, as as an individual that has been redeemed by God, uh, as a vessel so other people can see what God can do with them. So we are God's workmanship. We are God's trophy cases. So as such, it starts with us in terms of us knowing who God is and what uh, his standards are, and what he expects of this life that we're in. So it's important that we search the scriptures, but not only are we searching the scriptures, uh, we, we are dividing God's word accurately. Amen. We are dividing God's word accurately, not just going to the Bible and picking up passages without regard of context. And we talked about that before without regard of context. And that is a dangerous thing for Christians to do. 
we should not uh, just recite a passage and not uh, look at the context. Um, For example, uh, for many years, uh, I used to hear uh, individuals talk about uh, the Lord will give me the desires of my heart. But what they don't say is the first part of that passage, which is delight thyself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. God is not going to give you the desires of your heart without first delighting in him. If you delight in him, that means that your will is in line with his will and he provides the desires of your heart. So if you're in alignment with God, you've delighted yourself in God, uh, as an example, you will not pray for things uh, that you shouldn't be praying for. If you delight yourself in the Lord, then that means that uh, God has spoken to you and whatever, uh, whatever you, you're, you're desiring, whatever you are attempt, attempted to gain, whatever uh, you have zeal for, it'll likely be influenced by the Holy Ghost so that it's an already pre-approved by God because you've delighted in him. But if you don't delight in God, but yet uh, want God to give you something because you're asking for it, that's not going to happen. It's not going to be in your best interest. And oftentimes, God will allow some of the things that um, he know you shouldn't have, but because of your will, you uh, continue down this line of, I want to have it, I want to have it, I want to have it. And the Lord allow you to exercise your will because we have free wills. And then he uses that as a way to get your attention and bring you back to him. Just think about uh, how many of you all uh, went to God for something and you kept going to, to him about the same thing, about the same thing, about the same thing. And finally he said, okay, if that's what you want, I'm not going to coerce you. I'm not going to force my love on you. And then he allowed you to experience it. And then uh, you were the prodigal son. You, you had to run back to the father. So let's look at Galatians uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 6. Galatians ch- uh, chapter 1 is uh, very important for Christians. Uh, Paul is writing to Christian churches, and he says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, a different gospel, right? Uh, The gospels that are not sound, the gospels that are heretical, the gospels that are secular, uh, people that are using scriptures mixed in with uh, secular ideologies, for their own benefits. Uh, watch out for those type of people. People that are taking scriptures and they pepper scriptures through their messages uh, trying to uh, throw you off track. Look out for those type of people. Uh, people that are on television that seem like they know what they're talking about. But if we compare it to the scriptures, it's out of context and it's contradictory to the harmony of scriptures, we must not embrace those type of gospels. So Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly 
deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Here's verse 8, Galatians chapter 1. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one preached to you, let them be under God's curse. What a powerful, powerful statement. Let them be under God's curse. Maranatha, let, let them be under God's curse. Now, God loves all of us, but he doesn't accept our worship. He loves us ontologically, but he doesn't embrace all actions. He loves us as a creation, but not everybody will get to spend eternity with him in heaven. So he's given Jesus Christ as an overture to humanity that whosoever will can accept him and whosoever don't will live apart from him in eternal eternality. So my point is this. We as Christians, in order to make sense of the world, we must go to the scriptures and use it the way that God intended it to be used. It's almost like, for those of you who have vehicles, you have a manual in the glove compartment. And if you're wise, you'll follow, in terms of how to take care of this vehicle, you'll follow the manual the way that the designer intended for it to be used. If you violate or do something different, you can't blame the designer because you decided to do something different. So likewise, God has given us the Bible, and uh, some people say it's the basic instruction before leaving earth. That's an acronym, and that's true. Uh, The Bible is our manual for this life. It tells us how sin came about. It it tells us how sin has uh, tilted and contaminated this reality that we're in, Um, the things that God created. uh, Sin has thwarted to an extent, but God has a plan, and that plan was Jesus Christ, and it is Jesus Christ. And through Jesus, we're able to experience God's original plan. Uh, Whereas before Christ, uh, we did things a certain way, not through Christ. We're doing things the way God originally designed it for it uh, to be. We now have a relationship with God. Whereas before we didn't have a relationship with God, we now understand what it means to be a true human. In, in, uh, through a Christian worldview. We understand uh, what life is all about. We understand about relationships. So we get all of that through God's manual. Now, how to study the Bible for all it's worth. We talked about observation, the who, the what, the when, the where. We talked about that in the previous episodes. So observation is the first category. The second category was interpretation. What does it mean? And we, and we, and we cautioned against uh, anyone saying, this is what the Bible means to me. That's not the first question that ought to be asked. The first question when you're trying to interpret the scriptures is, what was the meaning 
to the original audience. So the author, the one that's writing the letter, what, was, what were they trying to convey to the original audience? Then once that question has been answered, the qu- second question is, what is the prescriptive principle that God wants me to get from this story? So if you read um, the story about Moses as an example, and Moses uh, getting to the Red Sea and God using uh, him to part the Red Sea, that's not a prescriptive text, meaning that God is not trying to replicate that miracle, that same miracle with every Christian. That is a descriptive text. So what I get from in terms of pres- uh, a prescriptive text, meaning that it's binding, meaning that all Christians uh, are to uh, participate in it, um, what I get from that story is not, that's not the first question I'm going to ask is, okay, uh, what, is, what does it mean to me? The first question is, what did it mean to the original audience? What did it mean to Israel? And for Israel, God was showing them that he's God all by himself. He was demonstrating to Israel that there was nothing that, God, that he couldn't do that's uh, in harmony with his nature. So for him to perform a miracle, uh, which is a signpost, that's the definition of a miracle. It's a signpost to a greater message. God used the Red Sea experience to get their attention so they could hear the message. So a miracle uh, confirms the message, and God uses miracle, secondly, to confirm the messenger. So in terms of interpretation, the first question, again, is not what does it mean to me. The first question that ought to be asked is what was the message that the author was trying to convey to the original audience? Then from that, we extrapolate what does it, uh, what's the principle in that passage, in that story that God wants me to use today. So what does it mean? The first observation, the second interpretation. And we said that you need to look at the content. The more time you spend in uh, observing uh, or observation, the more familiar you should be with the content of the passage. When I was in a seminary, one of the things that they have had us do was to select a text. And in that text, we just observed. We weren't trying to interpret. We just observed. We weren't trying to study. We were just, we were just observing. So I chose John chapter 5 and uh, I would just observe. I, I would look at the prepositions, the, the end, the after, the before. I, I, I looked at it, and, and as I was looking, just observing, not trying to make a judgment call, just observing, I learned so much from just observing and reading the story that it blew my mind away. So sometimes when you're doing your Bible study, you need to implement the observation aspect of your Bible study and what it does is, is it exposes you to, new, to the material that's been there all along. Uh, if, it's, if it says uh, after, that means something came before it, right? If it says in, it's not the same as out. If it says uh, for, uh, normally that preposition for, F-O-R, symbolizes or infers that something was said prior to that, and now the author is getting ready to unpack or further detail what he said before. So interpretation includes content. 
Then, of course, context is what we've been preaching about the last few weeks. Context, context, context. If somebody, tell, if somebody recites a scripture, somebody quotes a scripture, always go back and, and, and find that passage they're talking about and look before that passage, look after that passage. There's nothing worse, again, than taking a, a scripture out of context. It may be what the Bible is saying, or it may not be what the Bible is saying, but we need to test the spirit by the spirit to make sure that what he or she is saying is true. Comparison. The Bible sheds light on, on its own meaning, uh, meaning through cross-references. And, and uh, I use the illustration of uh, Jesus uh, claiming to be I am, which is also in Exodus 3.14. And if you read Exodus 3.14, many study Bibles will refer you to uh, John 8.58. And uh, through those two passages, you can go back and forth. So cross-reference basically is you're reading, you're studying, you come across a passage, and oftentimes you see a letter, uh, alphabetical uh, letter uh, next to or after, before, uh, somewhere around whatever you're reading, and then it may be in the middle part of your Bible or maybe in the footnote section where it points you to another scripture. And that's what cross-reference is all about, is the authors, the publishers of your Bible have blessed you uh, with shortcuts. So you don't have to read the whole Bible to look for the other passage that corresponds with what you're reading. Consult. That's the next uh, aspect of interpretation. What do other study tools um, help you with in terms of that passage? Uh, so when we're consulting these other study tools, such as commentaries, Bible dictionaries, Bible encyclopedias, etc., what are they saying about the passage? Now, this uh, consultant should only be done after you've done your own reading and studying. Let me say it again. Um, as a Sunday school teacher, if you're listening to me, uh, Sunday school teachers should wrestle with God's word, uh, meaning they should spend time in God's word. Uh, they should be praying. They should be reading. They should be studying. They should go to the word of God for themselves first. It is inappropriate if you are a Sunday school teacher to constantly go look at the commentaries to see what other people are saying about the Bible first in order to get your interpretation. You must uh, get the correct training if you don't have it already, and you should be able to go to the Scriptures yourself. Because really, commentaries uh, are not infallible, meaning that uh, they're not without error. I've read numerous commentaries where the statement being made by the commenter was inconsistent with the Bible. So it's important that we first, if we're going to read and study the Bible, that we avail ourselves to that passage, that we attempt to get the tools to uh, help us illuminate that passage for our, uh, uh, and have God, the Holy Spirit, speak to us, and also to make sure that we've engaged in studies where we're looking at uh, different sources, such as your 
uh, Bible dictionary, your concord, your strongest concordance, your, your vine Bible dictionary, whatever you have, your lagos, and you're doing the hard work. You're, you're putting in the time. You're not just uh, assuming this commenter statement on that passage is correct. So, yes, consult other external tools, but your primary step is to get into the scripture and to study it for yourself. Then lastly, under interpretation, uh, we have conclusion. What are the final conclusions regarding that passage? So, in other words, what do you think the correct interpretation is after you've, you've wrestled with it, after you've struggled with it, after you've prayed, after you've meditated on that pes- uh, passage, after you've studied uh, numerous times in preparing sermons, um, I've struggled. I've, I've studied the Bible. I've read the Bible. I've looked at the etymology of the words. I've, I've meditated. And I've done all the preparations. And I think I'm ready. And then uh, because I've been struggling with it, the Lord gives me uh, inspirational insights uh, he gives me discernment in terms of that passage. And because I've spent time in it, there are things that I see on the back end of the preparation that I uh, didn't see on the front end. So this is why it's important to always, always get into the scripture. Uh, because we learn discursively. D-I-S-C-U-R-S-I-V-E-L-Y. Discursively. And that means we learn things one after another. This is how God made us. We don't learn everything all at once. Uh, before we could do uh, trigonometry, we had to learn uh, multi- uh, geometry. And then we, you know, we had to learn algebra. We had to learn multiplication in elementary school. And, and our whole school system is built up on discursive learning. There's things that precede other things. And so when you get into God's word, it's the same thing. Uh, we, we learn discursively. We learn one thing, and then God, uh, through the Holy Spirit, adds something else to it, and then something else, and, and eventually you'll start going from milk to meat. So again, uh, we need to apply observation. We need to apply interpretation. And then lastly, we need to apply uh, application. So in application, Think about it this way. Uh, There are three different ways a passage can be applied. What is number one? What is the uh, main thing the Lord will want me to know? Number two, what is the main thing the Lord would have me to do as a result of studying the passage? Then lastly, uh, confirmation that the way I'm thinking and believing in terms of that passage is uh, what I'm supposed to be doing. So hopefully uh, these last few weeks have helped you with your Bible study. Of course, this is just a drive-through hermeneutic course that we engaged in the last few weeks. Um, We encourage you to visit our website, srministries.org, if you want more information. Uh, We're here to help you uh, to become a better Bible student so you can have a better life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Again, thank you for your prayers. 
Uh, we thank you all for your encouragement. Continue to pray for us. But as always, we do need your financial support. You can visit us on srministry.org or send your check to P.O. Box 582-306 El Grove, California, 95757. And remember to do for the truth what so many do for a lot. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcast.